All right, today we're continuing a series called Making Room for Jesus. And it's really, honestly, it's been a very powerful series. It's touching my heart, you know. It's one of those things that just grabs you and says, all right, am I making room for God to get what He wants done in my life? Am I making room for Him to make sense of my life? And in this series, we've understood that one of the biggest mistakes that we make in our lives as humans is we don't make room for Jesus. And all of this stuff that I was talking about earlier doesn't make sense until we make room for his purpose and his plan for creating us. So as we've gone through this series, we've asked questions like, have you made room for him in your life? If God were to come and hijack your life and say, here's what you're doing for the rest of your life, what would you do with that? This is what I want you to accomplish. This is why I created you. This is why I formed you and I made you the way that you are. Have you made room for him to live inside of you, to feel comfortable living inside of you and to enjoy living inside of you? And are you doing what, you, what he wants with your life? And oftentimes it feels like God requires us to do things and go through things that seem to be overwhelming. Haven't you noticed that? Life can be overwhelming. And when people come into our lives, sometimes it's too much. Anybody got someone in your life that's just too much? If it's your spouse, do not raise your hand. You know, and as we approach Christmas, maybe you're going to be the cook. And you're already starting to feel overwhelmed with that. Or everybody's coming to your house. That can be overwhelming. And when life isn't controllable... We get overwhelmed. When you're attacked, maybe by somebody, they start talking about you, start doing things or saying stuff that hurts. And it, you feel overwhelmed. You don't know what to do because you can't stop somebody from attacking you. Or when, when God doesn't seem to be behaving. When God's not doing what you want him to do and he's not answering prayer the way you want him to answer prayer or meeting your needs the way you want him to meet your needs. It can be overwhelming and you feel like, man, the whole world is against me. Have you ever felt like this? Isaiah wrote this, and this is one of the big, you know, one of the big prophets in the Old Testament. The prophet Isaiah wrote this, I, Lord, am overwhelmed. I need your help. Please come to help me. And some of you just need to breathe that same prayer today. Lord, I am overwhelmed. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to act like I'm Okay, I'm not. I'm overwhelmed. Lord, I need your help. You know, a lot of things can overwhelm us. Grief. If you've ever lost somebody that's very close to you, you know what it is to feel overwhelmed with grief. Guilt. If you've ever messed up. How many have ever sinned? Two of us. Y'all got to start voting today, all right? How many have ever sinned? All right, there we go. At least we're alive. The guilt of that can be overwhelming at times. Worry can overwhelm us. What's the future look like? It can overwhelm us. Bitterness. Trying to fight from being bitter towards somebody can be overwhelming. And it can master your thoughts. Or maybe it's just all the responsibilities that you've got. I mean, think of all the things that we got to deal with. We got to maintain cars and homes, 
families and people and batteries, batteries in, you know, in the, in a, of all things in the middle of the night. When does a fire alarm battery start going off during the day? You know, the beep, beep. It's always at two o'clock in the morning, right? All of the stuff that we've got to maintain and be responsible for in our lives, it can be overwhelming and it all sometimes hits at the same time. Or it could be just life circumstances. So I want to start with Luke chapter 1. Uh, Luke chapter 1 and 2, that's the Christmas story. I hope you, that you'll plan to read that with the family this week. God sent the angel to Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. Now, he addressed this little girl. You understand, she was like 13 years old. That's seventh grade. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. What? What is, this? What is happening here? And he said, don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. How many of you want God to decide to bless you? All right. So Mary finds herself in this moment of this angel is there. And he's, what? What's going on here? And when this happened to Mary, I mean, she's just a little girl. And maybe at the most 14 years old, she was this young teenager. And in those days, you got to understand the marriages were prearranged. So so Joseph was prearranged to be married to this, this girl. And, and by the time she was 13 or 14 years old, here she's supposed to be starting her own family. And so this was this young peasant girl. And this angel shows up and says, all right, now look, I know that you've never had sex with anybody, but you're pregnant and your baby is God. Hmm. Okay. That's news. This may be a life-changing moment. I'm not sure about it, but this might be one of those moments that I'll never forget in life. And, and she begins to run the math in her head. How am I going to explain this to the world? This is, what? Who will, what? How am I going to explain this? Who's going to believe me? This happened not in front of a big crowd. Now, if it happened in front of a big crowd, maybe in, we videotaped it and we could show the video around the world and put it on Facebook and all the stuff that we have today, then the world would understand God implanted a baby inside of me. I didn't go. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying. It's just unbelievable what this poor girl started going through. And she starts going through all of the implications of the situation. And she's thinking, how do I say to Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant and the the baby is God, and God put the baby there. How do I go about doing that? How can I tell this to my parents? Mom, Dad, I'm pregnant. The Father is God. It's okay. Right, honey. Joseph is probably going to leave me. I'm going to be a single mom for the rest of my life. How am I going to make this happen? My parents are going to doubt me. My community is going to disgrace me. And you got to understand, back then, if you were promiscuous like this, you were, in, you were in danger of being stoned to death. They were allowed to kill you. So here she's thinking, man, I could lose my life. My whole future is gone if this doesn't go down right. And so she's like, I need more information. She's just this 13-year-old girl. And the Bible describes her as being confused and disturbed. And there's a great other word for that that we have. 
overwhelmed. Absolutely overwhelmed. Now, think about what she's dealing with. First, there's the fear of criticism. Who likes criticism? None of us do. What's everybody going to think? Then there's the fear of super, the supernatural. Exactly how is this going to happen? I've got this, this, what, an alien inside of me? Someone from part God, part human? What? What is this? How is this going to work? Then there's the fear of inadequacy. I'm going to be the mother of the Son of God. And you expect me to spank this child at any point? You expect me to tell this kid to go brush his teeth before he goes to bed? And to go to bed? What am I to do if he doesn't go to bed? I mean, you can imagine she's starting to run the math through her head. What is it going to look like raising God? This is craziness as far as a little 13-year-old girl could imagine. You'd think feelings of inadequacy would be there. Absolutely. And then there's the fear of change. We're all afraid of change. And when change starts to happen, we start freaking out. We get overwhelmed. How is this going to change my life, she began to think. How, seriously, this is going to change everything about the future of my life. What am I going to do with this? What does this look like? It's not what I had planned. So what do you do when you're overwhelmed? There are a few things that Mary did that at that time that I think will help us get through this. So as we go into this Christmas week, just let God begin to tweak some things in you this morning. Let him bring some peace to you, some hope, some good things that you can do this week to prepare and get yourself ready for the next year, all right? You do these same three things that Mary did, it's going to help. But let me give you a tip first. You got to start by doing the absolute opposite of what you initially think you should do when you're overwhelmed. That's where we begin, all right? So Mary was overwhelmed when this angel came to her and he said, Mary, you're going to be blessed. Okay, that's God's sales pitch. <laughs> Mary, you're pregnant, but you're going to be blessed. How many of you know that it wasn't just a sales pitch? It was reality. She's going to be blessed. So here's a principle. We usually feel overwhelmed right before we're about to get blessed. And if we don't deal with the overwhelming part God's way and right, sometimes we miss that blessing. So what do you do? When you're overwhelmed. But let's look at what Mary did. First thing that Mary did. And this I like to do this when I get overwhelmed. Number one. Let go of control of the situation. You got to let go of your control of the situation. Typically the more out of control we feel. The more overwhelmed we feel. And the more overwhelmed we feel. The more we redouble our efforts to gain control. We use anger, we use manipulation, we use frustration, we start trying to, we begin micromanaging, we begin hyper-controlling, we use force, we'll use willpower, we'll use anything to try to get back into control of the situation. And all, all the while, we find out that there is no control over the situation. And that's why we're overwhelmed. And how many of you know if God is in something, then we can just relinquish control to Him? 
And how much more peaceful would our lives be in that, in that situation? We do it all the time. Parents try to control kids. Employers try to control their employees. Employees try to control their, par their bosses. And they try to control their co-workers. So we do this all the time. You know, with change starts happening at church. We try to grab control of it. Starts happening at home. We grab control. Work. All of it. We just try to control. And when we're out of control, what happens? We get, we get, uh, we get overwhelmed. And life becomes difficult. So the, the fact is, most of your life is out of control. Don't you know that? So if you spend your life trying to get this life back into control, what's going to happen? You're going to go crazy. And you're going to be frustrated. And you're not going to have good relationships in your life. And you're going to miss the plan and purpose for which God created you. And all of this mess back here is just a mess that's out of control, that's overwhelming to even begin thinking about and trying to bring healing to it, and let alone never trying to get onto this that God has planned for you. And here's what the Apostle Paul called your life with Christ. He called it a mystery. He said, your life in Christ is a mystery. Let me read it to you. This Christian life is a great mystery. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Your Christian life is a great mystery, far exceeding our understanding. And in the next verse, he goes on to talk about all you need to do when your life is a mystery like this. All you need to know is this, who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and what Jesus is doing. Because if you know those three things, that Jesus is God, and he cares about you, and he loves you, and he's going to see you through these things and you know what he did, and you know what he's doing, then you know that there's a plan and a purpose, and you're a part of that. And if you, excuse me, are able to put your life into that, then you're also able to relax and deal with being overwhelmed in that situation. Paul simplified it. He says, this is all you need to know. Who Jesus is, what he did, and what he's doing. And you'll be able to relinquish all that control over to that. Luke chapter 1, back to it. Mary asked the angel after she heard the big news. She said, but how? How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. And the angel said, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. What a simple reaction. Now, what's our typical reaction when we get overwhelmed? How am I ever going to get this done? This is way too much for me. How am I ever going to make that payment? How am I ever going to get on with my life? How am I ever going to solve this problem or get that person to love me again? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? How am I ever going to get on with what God has called me to do in this world? And here's the beauty of this. Mary didn't doubt what the, woman, what the angel had said to her. She didn't doubt it. What did she say? She said, wow. Okay, How? How? She didn't say, no way. There's no way that you're going to do this to me. And, and there's no way that I'm going to give my life over to that. She just said, wow. How? Tell me how this is going to happen. There's a difference between no way and wow, how. Big difference. And the angel's response is to not give this detailed explanation. Okay, well, let me tell you exactly how he's going to do it. The molecular structure of the inside of your uterine, all of this stuff. He didn't go into that. He just said, is there anything too hard for God? 
You don't need to know all the details. God can do anything. God can do anything. Do you believe that? He can do anything. I'm standing here praying for Don and Joe about their house selling. And I just started trying to let my imagination run wild with how God might be able to come through for them. I don't have the imagination God has to be able to provide for them. But I know he does. And I know he can do anything. He can do anything. Anything that you need. But you've got to understand, he doesn't do everything. And that's why we have this seeming mess back here that looks hectic, that looks chaotic at times, while we're trying to get pushed towards what God wants us to accomplish in this life for which He created us. And this mess begins to unfold and make sense as we go into that. But it seems like a mess because He could do anything, but He's not doing everything the way I want Him to do it. And here's what you need to remember. Although it's out of your control, it is never out of God's control. He always has things in control, even when it doesn't look like it. And Mary, when she understood this, she stopped worrying. She started saying, okay, how? How? How is this going to happen? She started trusting and she relaxed in the grace and mercy of God and trusting him that he's got this plan. Notice what she said when the angel, when the angel said, hey, nothing is impossible. You'll see it with God, all right? What did she say? She, it says this. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. Remember, this is what we talked about over the last couple of weeks. He's Lord. I'm his servant. I surrender to him. I make room for him to be Lord. I am willing to accept whatever he wants. Have you been able to do that in your life with Christ? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Whatever he wants, I surrender. What is that? It's surrender. It's complete surrender. It's submission. Whatever he wants, that's what I want. And look what, he, look what she says. This is so beautiful. May everything you have said come true. Okay. I'm a mother now. Wow. Let it be, God. My future is changed. God just hijacked this little girl's future. And she says, may everything you've said come true. That's surrender. I want to be that way. And the first secret to peace is you got to let go of control and just say, okay, God, as you wish. Let God handle it. Mary says, you know what? I'm giving up control. I yield my life to God. I yield everything to God. I surrender to him. I give it up. And there's a word for that. And it's called faith. It's funny when I, when I pray for people praying for healing or praying for a situation in their life, oftentimes 
God will give a supernatural peace, you know, the, the peace that surpasses all understanding. How many of you have ever felt that? Yeah. That peace, when it comes in, it's like God saying, it's done. And there are times when I'm praying for somebody that I feel that peace come in, but I can tell they don't. And sometimes I'll even ask them, do you feel that peace? And I know that the prayer is answered. I know it's done. And I'll even look at them and say, it's done. But they don't have that peace. Why? Because they're still holding on to control. They're still, oh, this needs to happen. This needs to happen. This needs to be the timing of it. This is how it needs to come to pass. This is what needs to be said. And they hold on to that control. But then you have the others that they let go of that control and say, all right, well, God, however you want to do it. I trust you. And they're able to then receive that peace and have it during that time until they get the answer or until the situation changes, until God is able to come through in the situation. And then they're not overwhelmed during that whole period of time. There's a verse in the Bible. It's just for you. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Anybody know what it says? John, bring it on. He brought it in the first service, so. And the, and the one version of this says in verse 5, trust God from the bottom of your heart and don't try to figure everything out. Part of your overwhelmingness is trying to control and figure everything out. Especially all of the mess back here in your life. And look what God has promised in Psalm 138. It says, the Lord will work out my plans, my hopes, my dreams, no, his plans. God has plans for your life. You say, come on, John, I'm one out of 8.5 billion people on the planet. He doesn't have plans for my life. You're wrong. You're mistaken. He has plans. He has a purpose. There's a reason for you to be alive. And it's a godly purpose and plan. So there are three facts about your plans or God's plan for your life that I want to give to you real quickly before we move on. First, you need to know that God's plan for your life is often bigger than your plan. Because God has a bigger perspective. He sees, sees things that you don't know. He has plans in this world, and you and I were created to be a part of that. And God sees the plans of, for your life bigger, way bigger than you know. And you might do one little thing it takes care of a lot of big stuff, and you never even know it until after you're gone from this earth. Listen, all Mary and Joseph wanted to do was just settle down, put some meat in the crock pot, have a puppy, and, and go home and just enjoy life. You know what I'm saying? Just have a good little life and everything be simple and comfortable. That's what they had planned. But God said, no, I have plans. I have bigger plans and reasons for you being here. I'm going to bless the entire world through you. And we have indeed been blessed by them, haven't we? And although it will be difficult and you'll struggle along the way, I will be with you always. Listen, you have no idea how much God wants to bless your life. And you have no idea how much he wants you to be a blessing to others. You have no idea what God 
made you for. You've just got to make room for him in your life to do it. What if you said like Mary, God, whatever. I'm not in control anymore. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to say what you want me to say. And if this little girl could do it, then certainly I can too. Secondly, you need to know that God's plan is often more painful. Isn't that encouraging? Yeah. No, I'm just being honest with you. God's plan is more painful sometimes. You're going to experience difficulty. You're going to, life is going to get confusing. Life isn't going to make sense sometimes. And don't you know it was certainly that way for this little girl? It certainly didn't make sense to Mary. The plan that God had for Mary's life was far more difficult than the one she had planned. But how many of you know her, his plan was way more meaningful? Yeah. Mary faced gossip, criticism, hardship. She had to ride on a donkey while pregnant nine months. And it sent her into labor. Okay, I got a little moan over here. Yeah, we have some pregnant ladies in the church. And you know, when she got there, her mom wasn't there. Her midwife wasn't there. Can you imagine how scary this moment must have been for this little girl? Going into town, she's on this mission from God. She gets there. And there's nobody to greet her. It's a hustle and bustle moment in, in, in there, in Bethlehem, because people have traveled there to do the census. So she gets into town. There's no welcome. They go and they try to find a hotel room. There's no hotel room. What is going on here? And she's scared up to death. She doesn't have her mom. She doesn't have a midwife. And she's got to give birth to this baby. What an awful situation. Come on, doesn't God have more of a class act than this? If God is doing this, if God has put this together, if he's ordained this, you would think that there'd be people waiting there saying, oh, you're Mary. The Lord told me about you. Come this way. I've got a place in my home for you. That didn't happen to the poor little girl. She goes in town and it's just haphazard. Seems an awful situation. She ends up in this cave somewhere and the only... All she's got is her husband and, and all of the, 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 the animals sitting around. What a scary situation. The animals were the audience of God being birthed into this world. Certainly God could have done better than this. And that's so much what our lives feel like when we have yet to connect this with, with all the pain. And all of our struggle and the stuff that God could have done, we wish he would have done differently. And we've got all of this mess back here. And, and until we begin to see his plan and purpose unfold in our lives, it just feels like God is not paying attention. He doesn't care about us. He's left us alone. He said, all right, go do this. And then he didn't follow us along the way. But you've got to understand that every, <coughs> excuse me, every detail of this situation, you better believe was planned by God. You see, God was fulfilling a promise that he had made thousands of years ago. That this baby would be born in Bethlehem. And bring salvation to us. He did it. 
And from Mary's point of view, this kind of thing came up suddenly, haphazardly. But God said, no, it's my plan. It's exactly the way that I want it. And imagine, he could have brought Jesus into this world and he could have had the most amazing parade in a palace. He could have made it such a big spectacle. But here we are still talking about it. There wasn't any Facebook. There wasn't any Instagram. There weren't any pictures taken of it. And here we are still talking about it 2,000 years later. Wishing we just had more information. And God says, is there anything too hard for the Lord? He did it. Number three, God's plan for your life is always better. And when you cooperate with God's plan for your life, you can relax and you can stop being overwhelmed. When you start implementing God's plan and purpose for your life, you can begin to relax and not be so overwhelmed. You see, God looks at your life from an eternal perspective, and everything else is out of your control, but it's all in His control. And the first thing to do is you've got to let go of control. The second thing you've got to do when you feel overwhelmed is this, you've got to let others help you out. Bring in some people to let others and let them help you out. Again, this is the opposite of what we tend to do. When we get overwhelmed, we, get, uh, we start withdrawing from our relationships. We start pulling back, don't we? We isolate. And we're like, okay, just leave me alone. And we, we want to be alone. We don't want to be near anybody. And sometimes that's your personality, man, just to get alone and that'll recharge you. But what happens is oftentimes... We, we recluse ourselves too much and then we become depressed and problems happen in our relationships. And we're like, oh, let me cry in my beer and let me hunker in my bunker. No, it doesn't work. And I, I see it all the time. When people start going through an overwhelming time in their life, they start pulling away from church and their church family starts reaching out to them. And then they quit re- responding and quit calling back and they just recluse themselves and they start pulling away from their friends and breaking away from everything, the very thing that they need the very most, and that is the people in their life that actually love them and could support them and help them. And look at what Mary did. In verse 39, the very first thing she did, it looks, it's interesting because it says, Mary didn't waste a minute. She immediately did this. She got up and she traveled down, down to Judah to the hill country, straight to Zachariah's house, and she greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth was her cousin, and Zachariah was a priest. And you've just got to know this, that it, it's what's important about this isn't that she was her cousin, but that who she was and what she, what she was, what kind of person she was. Number one, she was a godly woman. She went to a godly woman. She was married, Elizabeth was married to Zechariah, this priest, so this woman could give godly information, godly advice to Mary. Second, she was an older woman. Elizabeth was a little bit older than her. And she could bring more wisdom to the situation. Third, she was also pregnant. Elizabeth was pregnant with who? John the Baptist. She was six months ahead of Jesus, or he was six months ahead of Jesus in being born. 
And so she could offer some communication and help in the situation. So not only was she wise and older and godly, but she was also just a little bit further ahead than Mary. And that's the kind of people that you need in your life when you're overwhelmed. Look around you. There are people that have the the stuff that Elizabeth had for Mary for your life. There are people around you right now that you can tap into to, to help you through a time of being overwhelmed in your life. And here's the point. When you're overwhelmed, you need to find an Elizabeth in your life. And guys, this isn't just for the women. This is for us too. One of the best gifts that God gave me when Angela passed away was my boss, who is also one of my best friends, lost his wife a year and a half earlier. He was able to help me through some stuff that I could not have gotten through without his help. You need that kind of seasoning. You need that kind of person to help you through those moments. First, you've got to know, you need a strong believer in your life. Somebody that will help you with biblical information to help you deal with what you're dealing with and being overwhelmed. And secondly, somebody that's just a little bit older than you can help. And finally, somebody that's just a little bit further along than you. Find somebody that's had your situation, connect with them, and listen to what they have to say from, from God's Word. Listen, everybody needs a partner like that through this life. Guys and ladies, we need it. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, you're better off to have a friend than to be all alone. If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall down without a friend nearby, you're in real trouble. Listen, this is why it's not just enough to attend church and listen to the the stories on Sunday morning. You need deep relationships Because your life is going to be overwhelmed at times. And you need people in your life that will be able to walk beside you and be there for you. And don't you know when Mary showed up at Elizabeth's house, you know how excited women get when they see each other for the first time in a long time. I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. That's great. God's my baby's father. What? They were excited because they loved each other. And you've got to have that in your life. And if you're missing it, you've got to work hard to get it. Listen, if you claim claim to be a Christian, fellowship is a commandment. It's not an option. I have people tell me this all the time in the chaplain work that I do. Oh, I can have Jesus, but I don't need the church. I don't need any any of those people. I'm sorry, but that's not true. It says it right here, Galatians 6, 2, that we're to share each other's problems and burdens and troubles and so, and so obey our Lord's command. That's a command that we come together and we share each other's troubles and problems. Being a part of each other's life. Don't miss out on that. And listen, like Mary, don't wait another minute. Start being a friend. Build your life support and be life support for somebody else. And there's a third thing that you can do that Mary did when she was overwhelmed. So you let go of control. You let someone else help you. And third, you got to let God give you strength. Let God give you strength. James David, would you come? The Bible says this in verse 45. You are blessed for believing that the Lord will keep his promise to you. Mary was blessed because she believed. She believed. She was calm. She was composed. 
She had faith. She wasn't freaking out, taking it out on somebody. She believed. She listened to the promises of God in her heart. And that gave her strength. Gave her strength. And one of the greatest promises for you to hold on to when you're overwhelmed comes from Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, not if, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. That's what God said. And he said, your troubles will not, they won't overwhelm you. When you pass through the fire, you will, and the trials, and hard, the hard trials that come to you, they will not hurt you. Well, John, I don't know. I, I've been hurt. I've been burned been drowned (laughs) all my life he has been faithful all of what you've been through in light of what he wants to take you through you look back and you go okay now it makes sense when that happened when that happened when this happened when this person did this when this person said this when this person died when this person all of it for me to be doing what he called me to do. And if God were to come and hijack your life today, what would the rest of your life look like? And what God is asking for you to do is to let him hijack your life. To let him take it over and begin to do what he really created for you to be and to do. So where do you get the kind of strength that Mary had? Well, some of the things that she did. Number one, real quickly, you find it by praising him for his goodness. You just praise him for his goodness. How wonderful he is. And if you go and you read Mary's song in Luke chapter 2, it's just beautiful. Beautiful song that this little girl sang and wrote for God in that time. I don't know how they recorded it, but it's absolutely beautiful. Number two. The other way you find strength when you're overwhelmed is by thinking about God's word. Mary pondered what God, the angel, had said. And look what it says in verse 19 of chapter 2. Mary quietly treasured these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. She treasured them in her heart. She believed. And number three, you find it by just thanking him for the moment. This is a moment that you can be thankful for. Doesn't it feel warm and cozy and nice? Just like God's presence is in here bringing healing and help. Thank Him for the moment. And then as you leave today, you can take this throughout the week. And then it doesn't matter what happens at the dinner table for Christmas doesn't happen. doesn't matter what happens this week. You can be thankful and just know that God is with you. And I love what Micah said, the Old Testament prophet. He found himself in a moment of great despair. And I love this. Just listen, listen to the determination. He said, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow 
sunk in a swamp of despair. That's a big picture, isn't it? I'm hurting. I'm sunk. But me, look what he says, but me, I'm not giving up. I'm sticking around to see what God will do. What's he saying? All of this has happened, but I'm going to stick around and see what God is going to do. I'm waiting for God to make things right. Because I know he will. That's faith. That's trust. That's belief. And if a little 13-year-old girl that walks into a town alone, nobody, nobody there to greet her, she's feeling labor pains, and she says, is there any room? This is supposed to be a big God moment. Is there any place for me to have this baby? No, no, there's not. There's not. And they find themselves alone in a cave. And the most beautiful moment in the history of all creation happens. God became a baby. And that baby came out held close and swaddled and God was fed by a human God was held by a human absolute most beautiful moment in all of creation and God has a plan and a purpose and a meaning for your life and if you want to make sense of the history of your life get on it trust him. Make room for him. Make room for him in your life. Would you bow your heads? Jesus said, I come to, and I stand at the door and I knock. What's he asking for? He wants room. Is there room in your life for him? All of your plans, all the things that you've saved up for, that you've invested in, or whatever it is that you're hoping for. God says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Will you let me in? Is there room in, my, in your life for me? I have purpose and I have meaning. I have things I want you to accomplish for me. This life isn't just about you getting to the end. I have reason for you. And by the way, I'll make sense of all of your pain and struggle along the way. I'll even bring purpose and meaning to those things if you'll let me. But it begins by you making room inside for me. Just do it right now. Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I want to live the rest of my life to accommodate for you. I make you my Lord. Come and live inside of me. 
Jesus' name. And God, I ask you for that meaning and purpose. I understand it may be more painful to live for you, but it's going to be way more meaningful to live for you. I understand that you're going to give me hard times so that you can be seen through my life, so that others will look and see somebody that believes and trusts in you even though. So God, I understand all of that, and so I ask you for that meaning and purpose in my life. I want to feel alive. I want to feel like God has lived inside of me. When this is all said and done, that I have lived a life for you. In Jesus' name.